Hi, and welcome to the Engineer at Mind podcast, a podcast about engineering, AI, neuroscience, and other interesting topics of life to educate and inspire people all around the world. I'm your host, Joseph, and today I'm very happy to have Tomar Abraham on my show. Tomar has graduated at Tel Aviv University, specifically targeting the field of fluid dynamics and CFD, focusing his thesis on a specific mode of transition, namely the bypass transition. It was actually his second year of mechanical engineering undergraduate studies of which he fell deeply in love with the science of turbulence and computational fluid dynamics. And he decided that no matter what, he is going to be a CFD specialist. He has been doing CFD ever since. He is absolutely passionate about physics, especially fluid dynamics and CFD, which for him is a hobby, a passion and a pursuit as it occupies him even on times it's not directly practiced. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with Tomar Avraham. Tom, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on my podcast. Uh, we have lo- uh, we've talked a long time ago and we have been connected for so long and now it's time to to meet each other. So to get cool. Yeah, so get to get things started, maybe you introduce yourself because you have done a lot in the in the field of CFD and turbulence research. Maybe you can introduce yourself. Okay, so uh beginnings, I mean, <laughs> my name is uh Tomer, but uh, uh even in the Bowie portion of my blog I Say I call, call myself Tom. It's easier. Uh, I was born and raised in a rural area in Israel, kind of an uh, older brother to two siblings. Uh, both parents software engineers, so so kind of a uh, uh, you know took a sideways and an awesome childhood. Uh, I've graduated my I've graduated from Tel Aviv University, specifically targeting the field of uh, Fluid dynamics and CFD. Uh, the thesis was itself done in CFD, a DNS, uh, and it was focused on a specific mode of transition. I hope uh, many already know which one. It's the bypass transition. Uh, so uh, it's a field that really, uh, you know, captures my attention. Uh, it was actually the second year of mechanical engineering in my undergraduate studies that I started to get in love with the subject. Uh, I had a, my father's old friend as a, as a yeah, like a, a CFD professor in my university, so he gave me a job like copy copy numbers from Fluent to to Excel, <laughs> and I did it perfectly. And uh, I've been doing CFD ever since. I mean. Uh, Meanwhile, I've got an adorable wife, two children, uh, and an outstanding dog, which is kind of a hungry dog. Uh, about myself, I'm a kind of a bloom, you know, I wake up very early every day, 4.30, like Friday, Sundays, Saturdays, doesn't matter. Every day is Monday. Uh, I'm really in, into spirituality. I do at least two hours a day of meditation. Uh, if, if, if I'm not too tired at night, then, then, then it might be four hours a day. Uh, all my career was in uh, CFD. Started from uh, Israeli Aerospace Industries, which was more like FSI, with in-house codes. Then seven years running the analysis uh, department in uh, Elbit, which is a pretty known company. Then uh, most of you know me from Tenzo, which was was the ANSYS channel partner in Israel. 
uh, over which I was uh, in charge of the engineering division. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing that, actually mostly CFD with that. I was in engineering manager, so CFD was the basis. I mean, uh, besides that, I mean, I have a, I'm kind of a very eclectic person. You can see it in my blog. Sometimes uh, it's about turbulence, but suddenly it can be about entropy or about, I mean, I'm interested in a lot of stuff. I, uh, my Audible has like 400, uh, 400 uh, titles, all of them nonfiction, could be psychology, it could be, uh, could be modern physics, it could be like anything I want to touch in a period of time. I get like caught and then uh, it could be mindfulness, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. So the blog is essentially was created for fun and uh, it's still for fun. I mean, it got a little bigger. I added two authors. Uh, one of them is Danny Kaganovich, is pretty known, I think, too. And the other one is uh, Alon Davidi, which is a pretty genius guy, mostly dealing with uh, chemical uh, reactions and stuff like that. And, uh, well, I hope for the... I mean, I really hope for the blog to to reach higher and higher places. Mm-hmm. I th- I think uh, you have helped a lot of people, and even what you share on LinkedIn is very inspiring to see what what you share and what you're interested in. And we are kind of the same here. We sh- uh, we both want to do so much, and I have so many interests. It's, it's sometimes it's crazy. Are you doing the meditation part because you're sometimes so overwhelmed with like this whole information? Pressure? No, I mean, medi- no, no, I think meditation, it's not about, uh, you know, reducing stress. It's more about uh, being more aware. I, I don't think I could have, uh, have the right focus. It gives me focus. Mm. I mean, uh, meditation is uh, more about uh, being focused on being very aware about stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, you can do meditation not only by sitting and closing your eyes. You can do it all, all the time. Uh, I mean, be mindful about the world, uh, you know, pure attention. Uh, no, it's not about stress. Uh, even if I'm stressed, it's hard for me. There's three reasons I can't do meditation. One is I'm too stressed. Okay. The other one, I need to pee or I'm hungry because you need to shift your, you know, grounding uh, anchor from your breathing to being hungry or mm. peeing is in the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to drop this one from there. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, I get it. But it's good that we also put in some some philosophical topics into the podcast. I, I really like that one. Um, can you explain, because you do a lot of stuff with ANSYS, why did you decide for it? Is there a specific reason you mainly use ANSYS or are there other, other reasons? Actually, I'm not. I, I'm, I mainly use, use ANSYS because this is how it happened. Had, uh, working for the professor, he was working with, uh, in my undergraduate studies, he was working with Fluent, then Tensor works with Fluent. Uh, but uh, if you'd like recommendations for uh, softwares, and we're going to reach that, uh, I think everybody would like to know what I think about uh, uh, 
what should I recommend as a software to work with? Uh, it's, it's, it's really not about Fluent. Fluent is a very good software. It's, it's top-notch. Uh, so is Star CCM. So are other uh, platforms. Uh, I mean, it's even too top-notch. I mean, uh, most people can't utilize most of what Fluent or Star CCM can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Fluent in the past years had... A little bit changed. It's uh, it's gooey, but it was uh, once you remember it from the Gambit age, it was pretty horrible to work with, and uh, it's still a little bit uh, you know uh, cumbersome because of the scheme and UDFs and stuff. Uh, so no, it's not about fluent. It's not really not about fluent, especially in in, in some um, in some uh, related fields like meshing or. Uh, I, I really love. Uh, um, I mean, I left it. I but but my by in, by some of my initial intention was to be actually an open former. So uh, I'm kind of a, a fan like of Tobias uh, Holtzman. I mean, doing his thing for a few years, contributing like hell. And uh, doing the way which I mean, kind of make me envy. Mm-hmm. Does it also so, make uh, it? Yeah, we can we can touch on that uh, right now. Um, if if someone is a beginner in CFD, which we'll talk about now, mm-hmm. or maybe intermediate user, what would you recommend in terms of uh, ease of use, user experience, user interface? Would you say Andes is the perfect fit for that, even for a beginner? What would you say? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I actually have a post about it. I actually have a post about it, uh, how to master, I don't know how I call it, I think uh, the CFD bare minimum or something like that, mm-hmm. free online learning. Uh, I would I would suggest to start, there's, a, there's, a, there's an awesome, I mean, really awesome set of 32 lectures on free on YouTube from Boston University, uh, which is all about, it's, it's, uh, it's all about, I mean, doing it, real like coding coding uh, uh like the burgers equation and you know simple stuff uh, seeing how discretization works because mm-hmm. that's really what cfd is about discretization schemes and algorithms uh, so uh, i really really recommend the, i i wouldn't start cfd without watching this series mm-hmm. uh then i mean you have uh, the NASA seminar series, which is really good. I mean, it's also, it's a little bit more complicated, a little bit more uh, about numerical algorithms, about wave number analysis, but, but it's very, very important to get acquainted. I mean, probably you won't remember everything. I watched the 30, this set of 32 courses maybe five times, and I still don't remember them by heart. Mm-hmm. But it's very important to start from there. It's it's nice to. Uh, it's not that I don't appreciate uh, you know the hands-on thing, which is like uh, very popular now, because it motivates people to see, you know run something and see results. Uh, but uh, to really understand CFD, you've got to go through the basics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, coding your own code. Uh, we've talked about a little bit on LinkedIn, like, uh, you know, uh, 
solving the burgers equation, seeing uh, seeing uh, uh, phenomena like the Stel Reynolds problem, and uh, there are MOOCs you can go through and uh, study mm-hmm. special phenomena. Uh, I would recommend. I would. I took it myself. I even paid for the for the uh, certification. That's uh, Professor Brett Bird Bloken one. You know about uh, sports and building aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's very advanced stuff, but he's a pretty good lecturer. I mean, he's amazing. He re- it looks like he really oozes out of his, uh, you know, uh, the stuff he teaches, which is pretty good. And then for, uh, there is a, for, for some advanced persons, there's the combustion force by, uh, uh, by one of the world renowned, uh, well, I mean, uh, lecturers, which is also free. You can get it from my site. Uh, but again, focus on the basics. Yeah. I mean, Focus on the basics. And focusing on the basics includes turbulence modeling. I mean, uh, most of the engineering we do now uh, depends upon uh, Reynolds average number of equations. And that means we model all of our turbulence. So we solve a problem with turbulence and model all of it. And then the choice of turbulence modeling has a lot of... Uh, uh, importance to the results. Uh, pair application, even in a specific zone in one application. Um, what started this? And you wanna you wanna throw something in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's very cool that you mentioned it, and also very important because because there are so many options in terms of turbulence. You have k omega SST, k epsilon, and so on. You as an exactly. ex- you as an expert, what would you say? People are sometimes overwhelmed, and what I've seen really from from other people, what they do is they open ANSYS and then they just select a random turbulence model. And they don't select a random because if you if you, if you open ANSYS, uh, what you get really as a recommendation to use the K omega family, including the general uh, generalized one, the gecko. Yeah, 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 for, for yeah, ANSYS, for ANSYS. But in general, I mean, if, if they use any other uh, tool, for instance, they sometimes don't know, uh, do I choose K-Omega or do I choose anything else now? You know, it's kind of hard for them to really understand what they choose. So yeah, let's do, do a short excerpt about the K-Omega, okay? Uh, what about lo- what I love most about the K-Omega family is that they're, they were developed by Mentor. Uh, they started. He started developing it in uh, when while he was on uh, NASA Langley, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, it was developed specifically for aerodynamic purposes. Uh, it was found uh, that the K epsilon model have a tendency uh, to delay separation, in, uh, uh, and 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 I mean to delay separation in, adver- in adverse pressure gradient situations. Uh, usually you get that when you have a, you know, a camber, which is kind of uh, like this. Uh, I mean, it's a precursor to separation. Uh, on the other hand, the first K-omega, the, the really first K-omega, which was devised, was devised by the great Andrei Kovogorov. But it was really not used for coding, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, but but all the all the 
all the notations were taken from there. It was by uh, David Wilcox. Uh, I hope uh, people can reach David Wilcox books. I understand it's not uh, in print anymore. Yeah. So, uh, so that's a shame. So, uh, but the Wilcox model, K-Omega had a problem uh, with free stream sensitivity of the Omega formulation. So when you look as an engineer, you ask, why should we not combine these two models into one model and use the K-Omega model in the inner portion of the boundary layer and then solve the problem of this free stream uh, sensitivity with using, with switching, with, with slightly switching to the K-Epsilon in the outside uh, portion of the boundary layer and uh, out came the, what's known as the baseline model, the BSL. Mm -hmm. Uh, K-Omega model, uh, and it showed, uh, I mean, it evaluated, it, uh, it really solved the problem of the K-Omega with the free stream, and uh, it's uh, not wolf, no wall sensitivity, so you don't have to use any wall functions. Uh, but then uh, taking some advice from another giant from the Imperial College of London, they decided to insert the Bradshaw hypothesis, which, uh, without going in too much, into too much details, it's uh, a little bit of changing of the balance between the dissipation of the kinetic energy and the kinetic energy. Mm -hmm. And then out came the shear stress transfer, the SST. So the SST is very good for most applications as a default. But you may find applications of which specific applications of which uh, uh, the realizable K-Epsilon uh, might show better results, uh, more, more validated, let's say. Uh, and the Gecko model is kind of a modular approach that you can change the, you know, the constants. But uh, usually most people don't know how to change the constant. So the default is the K omega SST. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because I met Florian Menta in Dresden when we had the turbulence uh, somehow a class about turbulence. And he talked about these parameters because they have models where they have plenty of parameters. And then he said, if you're a beginner, please don't change anything. Uh, then you use the K-Omega <laughs> Right, <laughs> exactly. And what, what's also yeah. important, he talked about, um, now if we maybe quickly move to machine learning, we don't want to go too theoretical here, uh, where he said mm -hmm. that some people really believe that in the future, I'm not sure if this will happen, that there will be a machine learning model which takes into account all turbulence models and will solve it by itself. I think it won't be a good thing for engineers because they become somehow jobless if it's like the worst case scenario. But what do you think about that? Just just to quickly. Um, I mean, there is, there is a thing with, with uh, uh, machine learning, AI and uh, neural networks, which means that, uh, I mean, we, we will be jobless. But uh, then again, uh, simulations suffer a lot from the human in the loop uh, syndrome. I mean, uh, where practitioners are too much involved, especially in the geometry accommodation and bridge generation design phases. And, uh, uh, and, and I mean, I, and to say that there won't be a uh, machine learning uh, uh, way 
uh, I think uh, we're even uh, a little bit close to that. And uh, talking about machine learning, I, it's a huge topic and it's very, you know, it's very attractive to talk a lot about it. Mm -hmm. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm by no means an expert in machine learning. Uh, but uh, I, was, I was in a keynote lecture of uh, Professor uh, Karniadakis mm -hmm. from uh, MIT. And then he was working, talking about uh, uh, physics-informed neural networks, the pins. And uh, the essential thing about pins is that they are guided by data and physical laws. I mean, uh, they can produce a neural network by not big data, because you had, if you had a big data, then you probably had a solution. Mm. Some data and uh, some uh, some methodolo methodology of uh, of. Uh, how to produce, uh, 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 it's kind of an optimization problem, like to minimize a loss function. And, and, and when, he showed, when he showed his lecture, I was like, I was amazed. I'm to I was totally amazed and so are all the, everybody around me. But then uh, recently, he, it was a work in progress and it still is. It's like taking a DNS uh, full pixeled and taking like uh, half of the pixels away, even more, and then produce again the DNS mm -hmm. only without solving the equations. Uh, so, so it's totally machine learning and uh, neural networks. These neural networks uh, produce uh, the solution and uh, by that time, it was work in progress, and it was really amazing. But uh, uh, recently, they formalized mathematically that the solution that they get is uh, L2. Uh, for those who don't know what L2 means, it's kind of analogical to a weak solution of Navier-Stokes equations. Mm -hmm. So that's a remarkable uh, achievement. And I think in the following years, maybe five to 10 years, you're going to see a lot of this going around. Um, so, I mean, uh, it's, it's very successful. I mean, uh, uh, like uh, it does what it needs to do, but it was not formalized yet yeah. uh, mathematically. And that's the language we speak in physics. So that's a big advancement. Uh, I mean, machine learning usually has its has its uh, cons and has its pros. I mean, uh, you usually don't really know what it does, and you get stuff that you don't know what it does. And actually, about the pins, you don't have to get a neural network which derives a differential equation, which is actually the Navier-Stokes equation. Mm. It could be a different equation, which gives you the L2 converged solution, mm. which is also amazing. Yeah, so definitely. Maybe, yeah, yeah. So. What, what do you think about, uh, let's jump to the millennium problem, you know, that <laughs> with all this, this blow, blow up happening and uh, maybe you can touch a little bit on that. And what do you think about this whole research going on to find a solution a general solution for the for the famous navier stokes equations how do you see that i i think that uh, this, this it's a million dollar questions but it's mostly a mathematical questions yeah. a question 
And for me, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's just for me, it touches the concept of emergence. Uh, the Navier-Stokes equations are amazing equations. They describe fluid motions and a lot more. But uh, they are emergent equations. I mean, uh, uh, they describe the macro world. Mm. Uh, I mean... Uh, uh, we have a lot of fundamental physics questions unanswered and uh, the spectral gap that we don't have in turbulence modeling does happen when we talk about, uh, you know, the uh, Knudsen number and uh, yeah. in Stokes versus uh, molecular uh, kinetics. And uh, I think it's a huge thing to solve the... To, to, it's not about even solving them. It's about proving that they have a unique solution. Or, yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, I think it could be amazing. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll change much about uh, CFD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure it's going to happen. Yeah, well, uh, you also mentioned earlier on this Reynolds average Navier-Stokes uh, short rents. How do you think with uh, with increasing computing power now, also for AI, how do you think runs will do in the future? Do you think we will maybe use more LES or what do you think about that? Okay. Okay. As, uh, so uh, talking about a little bit about uh, LES. So LES is a challenge right now. Uh, you know, Moore's law keeps going in a pace that it should go, but it might go a little bit and LES for bounded flows is uh, unreasonably impossible now. 95% of the mesh uh, is in the near... It, it has uh, demands like uh, DNS and like the Kolmogorov length scale, and it's impossible. There are a few uh, uh, wonderful ideas, some advances in, uh, in LES, in mixed models, there's Professor De Niro's uh, uh, integral formulation for less and uh, and the thing of adaptive grid generation. And then there is the thing with twin monolithic and zonal less, uh, which has the gray, the gray area problem. Even if we use hybrid less or WM less, you know, wall models less mm-hmm. and avoid the problem of... Uh, of uh, uh, 95% of the mesh being near the wall, and it's not really less. Uh, even then, uh, we, we still can solve problems uh, which like are, I mean, like uh, an, an, an airplane size problem. And, uh, and the thing is that what we think now is that for even for less, we will not be it's, it's always stated in, in, very, in, in any article you'll see, in, it will not be, we will not be able to do that in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spallard, Philippe Spallard said uh, 2070, but what I think is going to uh, go and, and catch up really fast uh, is this thing about reduced order modeling. Mm, yeah, but that you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. yeah, reduced order modeling. Actually, my uh, I see him kind of a mentor. He says I'm a friend, uh, Machi Galinsky from uh, ANSYS. He was from ANSYS. Now he was working for the channel partner. 
And uh, he really, really got me hooked on ROMs, and I did some of myself. Uh, Ansys has a platform for ROMs, StarCCHAM has one too. And there's two issues. Uh, first, for a contractor, you can actually produce, uh, if, if you want me to say what ROM is or... Yeah, yeah, you can explain that for even for people who don't know what it is. Uh, okay, so simply said, uh, let's say you, you solve your problems in uh, a data set of points and then a data set of uh, verification points. And uh, basically, uh, you check that you don't have any bifurcations inside the data set. That would be horrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, you should do a complete CFD uh, for each of these data points. And then you can add uh, verification points to, you know, make it more uh, accurate. But essentially, you solve a linear problem. So you get an instant solution mm -hmm. for a problem which could be very sophisticated. So for a, as a contractor, one of the things I decided to offer my client is uh, besides doing the simulation and then uh, sometimes the clients don't really understand what they really wanted in the beginning, uh, I offer them to build them a ROM. Uh, then they can download a free uh, ROM viewer and uh, they can actually do their own simulation if they want a, uh, you know, a greater range of uh, validity, then I do a little bit more work and uh, add more uh, data points. Uh, so that's about ROM, and uh, that's one thing that ROM can uh, be good for. But the other thing, uh, and it's the most, uh, I think it's the most attractive thing, is the uh, twin digital era. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you wanna, you wanna, uh, you know, you want your twin digital working. You're not going to solve a CFD problem aside from the from the physical model because it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So a very sophisticated ROM can work with aside a digital mod, a digital twin. I mean, be a digital twin, and uh, by that, uh, even control the physical uh, model. I mean, the, the physics, the the valves, the, the give you real time uh, uh, problems that you find on the way. Uh, that's the huge thing about ROM. Uh, and that's it. I mean, uh, I don't think we should get uh, a ROM. ROM actually is not as simple as I said. It's it's a full and old mathematical theory which uh, which has a lengthy a lengthy uh, theory behind it. And uh, everyone who should who want to get get into ROM besides working on a platform. Uh, should really get inside the uh, numerical side of uh, the algorithms involved in uh, in ROM. Mm -hmm. Talking, you know how how you, how you get the order from uh, from you know a three D model meshed model to a kind of a network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Get it, get it. Uh, an example, and a good example for a ROM actually, if you know a little bit about thermal analysis, is. Uh, network of resistors mm. you can make a network of resistors which are like uh, and uh, you can have uh, capacitors which can serve as uh, for time dependent problems and you can have even resistors for the fluid side and then you can have a rom uh, which is like uh, three orders of magnitude 
smaller than the original model for a, for a module, and you can shove all these ROMs inside a big uh, uh, a big computer or a big server and uh, get instant solution dependent on the environmental conditions mm -hmm. that you have. At the point. It sounds, so it's quite amazing. Um, you so that's a kind of an example. Yeah. You talked also about uh, algorithms and, and all those kind of things. When it comes to coding, what would you recommend for people who want to get into coding? Because we know a lot of CFD theory. We, we talked about turbulence. Of course, it's a, it's a lot of theor theory behind Ooh. it. What if some people want to go get into coding? What would you recommend them to do? See, Python is really catching on. I mean, uh, it's a really simple language. It's kind of... Uh, uh, you can really learn a lot of Python from Python for dummies, even. <laughs> uh, C++ is always, has always been a strong language. Uh, me working with Fluent, so it was mostly C and, uh, and the scheme. So, so uh, but most, both of my parents are software engineers so, and, uh, and they know their shit. So uh, being, 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 uh, it's, Coding is uh, a little bit more about getting your code to work. It's about efficiency and about complexity. Uh, and I think it's a must. I mean, uh, I don't see someone starting to use CFD before he coded his own, uh, uh, his own uh, code first. Yeah, yeah. Might it be simple? Maybe a simple one. Maybe it even solve the burgers equation. Yeah, exactly. In, uh, With constant, if we even with constant, not 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 non not nonlinear, but uh, coding should take. Uh, I mean, uh, there were many thesis uh, uh, advisors that came to me with their thesis uh, students, and I actually had to do their simulation for the thesis because it it required a UDF. Mm -hmm. So what is a UDF? Uh, wants, what is a UDF? Uh, you, It's an in influence. It's a user-defined function mm. which you do in, uh, you know, code in C. Okay. So the students want the student wants to do a pumping heart, mm. but I mean, uh, if they had a button for everything in uh, in any software, then you wouldn't see the screen due to the abundance of buttons. Mm. So, so sometimes you have to do things on your own, and uh, I think it's very important to. To even start, even the 32 lectures, they're mostly about coding. I mean, they're mostly about how to how to do coding. Mm -hmm. That's that's the course. It's not about turbulence modeling. Uh, you don't see fluent even once in this uh, Boston series of courses. You can find in my uh, bare minimum. Yeah, uh, I think it's a must. I mean. Yeah, I'll post a link anyway to your blog uh, in the description once I upload the video, so people can have a look at your at the abundance of material you uploaded, which is really great. Uh, you can post you, you can post a, a link to the index. And yeah, index yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. Uh, yeah, this is, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely a good one. Um, we also have uh, some questions that came in from some users, for instance, from Mehdi Hassan, and he also talked about this coding thing, but he also wanted to know the uh, book recommendations. We also have a post for that one, but maybe you can point out what are your favorite ones? <laughs> uh, 
Um, I mean, uh, I don't want to recommend a specific coding book. There are so many. No, not, not, not only I coding mean, book, uh, book, but, book in general about CFD or turbulence. Oh, but CFD or turbulence. Uh, I mean, first of all, I want to recommend a book which might come out in 2020, uh, which uh, I co-author. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be two volumes, and uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm going to write uh, like three, four chapters. So, uh, but David Wilcox's books is very important, mm -hmm. and I've added uh, to many of my uh, pages uh, the, the turbulence. Uh, I don't know how it's called. It's turbulence. It's a series by uh, J.M. McDonough from uh, Kentucky University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can download it for free mm -hmm. in, on Google, but uh, you better go into my site because then I get another visitor <laughs> and uh, da <laughs> and download the the especially the the turbulence book, the incompressible fluid dynamics books, and the PDE book, which you can learn about some method like you know. Uh, there are important uh, algorithms people don't know about. It's a shame mm. how to solve PVs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so that's about uh, turbulence modeling. But uh, Wilcox's books is amazing. It's, uh, I think it's not printed anymore. Uh, and the McDonough book is uh, very, very good. Yeah. Uh, besides that, there are some new books. Uh, they're good, but they're kind of all-inclusive. They're not talking only about turbulence. Uh, my posts, I think, are pretty give uh, quite a large picture of each of the models. Yeah. You can always connect your vendor if he wants to help you with. Uh, I didn't have much success while working on Tensor with Ansys, uh, but. Uh, Maybe someone else will. Mm, but I will definitely link to your site because you have amazing resources, Tom. Vikas Kushwaha asked also about reduced order models. And the first question, okay, the so. first question is, um, if you have any advice for literature, which includes ROM application and uses with Anders examples, do you have any? See, that's mixing two things. I have a lot of... Uh, uh, ROM is, is not a new thing. It's a new thing for uh, CFD vendors mm -hmm. because it goes well with the, with the thing of the, you know, what I said about contractors and getting uh, quick answers yep. and the twin digital. But it's a, it's a complete theory to how to uh, lower the order. Even a Fourier transform is, could be considered a ROM. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, so... Uh, if I have an example, I have many examples. I don't know if I'm, I can share them. I mean, you can ask your vendor for an example. There's a course. Uh, I do. I, I will. I will. You know, do something that I wouldn't like to do. Because, uh, but uh, the learning hub of Ansys and uh, has some uh, reference to ROM. Not a lot. Even in the learning hub, you can find a lot of reference to how to operate the ROM, but it's very simple. I mean, it's, it's as simple as hell if you just, uh, it's just a platform. It's very easy to mm -hmm. 
and uh, books about it. Yeah, there are many books about it, right? We you saw the model, but it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah, that was also the second question, which somehow relates to Rom. And he wanted to know uh, examples within ANSYS software and how it's connected from FEA, CFT to Rom pathways. But uh, you touched on that a little bit, right? Yeah, you can. Uh, actually, when you go to ROM, uh, uh, you actually you're not w- working with FVM of, or FEA. You you have you can describe it as a, an abstract network, yeah. which you connect by uh, which you connect by items which do stuff, uh, which you need to provide them with uh, the information of what to do. So you can combine, of course you can combine, I just showed you a combination uh, of, uh, of uh, you, can, you can take an electronic device which has a fan and then you can have a network of uh, fluid uh, uh, resistors and capacitors also if you need to have it time dependent. I don't know why would you, but, but you can. And you can have uh, part of the ROM being uh, standard thermal resistors. And uh, you can calculate the pressure drop from the, or from the fluid side. And uh, you can combine between them. And then you combine the problem, which is, uh, you know, uh, conduction and, uh, and uh, convection yep. together, which is... Uh, Conduction, pure conduction problems are usually solved by FEA, and uh, and uh, convection problems obviously needs uh, I don't know if I for finite volume, but they need CFD. Uh, so that's it. Okay. That's okay. Cool. Next question comes from Mares Ait Mohammed, who asked, "How can we attenuate the mesh dependency of RAND solvers?" Okay, uh, attenuate the mesh. I mean, uh, the best thing to do, the best offer I can give uh, is uh, to watch for the, the best. The best indicator is the eddy viscosity uh, inside the boundary mm-hmm. layer. You should have a, a layer inside the boundary layer above the, above the uh, viscous sublayer and beyond, uh, uh, especially, it's like in the middle where the mesh, where, where you do the inflation thing, should be colored red as the eddy viscosity. So that's, uh, I mean, uh, it's hard to, uh, to answer without showing an example, but if the, if the higher eddy viscosity is beyond the boundary layer, then you capture it Uh, you don't capture it very well. If it's inside, you do. Uh, I do give you a, a little bit, uh, go further and say that uh, adaptive regeneration, uh, even not for RAMs, even for uh, scale resolving simulations, which is also an issue by itself. You know, uh, you have the SAS model, which we couldn't have time to talk mm-hmm. about, and I have a lot to say about. Uh, there are also a challenge because while well, uh, RAN's grid uh, adaptation is aimed only at reducing numerical error, in large eddy simulation it is intended also to improve the SGS model, the subgrid scale model errors, and in, uh, so and increase the fraction of the resolved scales, the resolved motions. 
Suggestions to alleviate such problems have been uh, suggested. Uh, one exciting one you can find in the Pope book, mm-hmm. which you can download electronically. Uh, he's suggesting adaptation aimed on resolving uh, like a user-defined fraction of the kinetic energy. Uh, so, I mean, it's a thing like... Uh, Adapting the boundary layer uh, to actually capture the boundary layer. Uh, in mentor lectures, uh, I mean, I'm not going to show you the lecture because it's not allowed, but he's, uh, he's, he's basically, uh, as the ANSYS guru, uh, I, have his set of, uh, I saw his set of lectures, uh, he's basing uh, the, most of the most of the uh, attenuation of the boundary layer on the anti-viscosity value. Mm-hmm. It should be the, the largest in the middle of, I mean, middle of the boundary layer. Mm-hmm. Get it. And uh, also about the attenuation of the mesh dependency, he asked also, is the SPH a good alternative? For those of you who don't know what SPH is, he means smooth particle hydrodynamics. Do you think it's a good alternative? I'm very wary from methods that uh, I'm very wary for methods that are uh, not really well based, uh, not really based, really based, and have a clear and pure connection to the vast information that we have on solving Navier-Stokes mm. equations engineeringly. So that means also I'm very wary and. Although I took a course from XFOIL about LVM, about lattice Boltzmann method, uh, I'm pretty wary about another, some other emergent theories, which, which I mean, they, they do give uh, very colorful pictures, but they do have many problems. Uh, probably some people are going to contradict me, but, uh, but uh, I can't. I can't, uh, you know, evolve the subject here. It's uh, yeah, much, yeah. Uh, it's good that you mentioned. It'll take too it, much time. Yeah, thank you, Tama. It's uh, very cool that you mentioned uh, colors because the next question comes from Adrian Pohoika, who asks, um, "What first of all, what were your beginnings with CFD, and how long did it take you to feel that you finally understand what you're simulating? And secondly, that it's not just colors for directors. How long did it personally take you?" Okay. Okay, so, so I, I started CFD like crazy. I was like crazy. Uh, I, I read every book, I, every, every uh, aerodynamic course I, course I had. I had already a, a, a notebook filled with the material from the book. Uh, when I did my thesis, I used to walk with the dog and talk about stuff like uh, pseudo-spectra <laughs> and uh, uh, Reynolds or equations uh, or Zomerfeld equations. I'm sorry. Uh, it was always on my, my mind that I mean I'm kind of a freak. I can be 72 hours in front of a computer and no one slaps me. Uh, I might die there from thirst. So, uh, so but yeah, yeah, you do need experience. Uh, you do need the physical intuition. Uh, I don't find myself as one. I mean, I have a lot of experience, but my uh, physical intuition is not so 
Uh, I wasn't born with it, but some people have amazing physical intuition. And it's very, very important because uh, presenting a colorful picture for directors might be, uh, might be a showstopper to project. I mean, it's not... Uh, it's it's funny, but it's not. Uh, it shouldn't yeah, happen. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, and it does because people tend to hire uh, people who know how to operate a CFP software, but not really understand the phenomenology behind it. Yes. And uh, I think it's uh, yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree on that one. Um, we have. Another, uh, we have other questions coming in from Karan Shah from LinkedIn, who asks, uh, hi, Tomar, here are uh, some questions. And he asked about the books. We recovered that one for sure. And one CFD book for enlightenment. What would you say for enlightenment? What CFD book would you recommend? Enlightenment? You, what, would you I say mean, the, the, uh, this, uh, the Wilcox book? The, the, ba the Bhagavad Gita? Like... Uh... Um, for enlightenment, for enlightenment, I would choose uh, uh, my favorite book, and I think it's going to surprise uh, a lot of people, which is Doug McLean's book on uh, understanding. Okay, that's a famous one. He, he he wrote a book. He wrote an amazing book with almost no equation. Mm. And uh, he's phenomenologically explaining uh, phenomena in aerodynamics, which, uh, which I think uh, by far outreach Anderson's explanations uh, about aerodynamics. Mm -hmm. I think there's also a famous lecture from him where he, where he explains the lift, lift theory. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a yeah, good yeah. one. Yeah, I put it sometimes on YouTube. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. So that's really a, real, a little part of the book, but he goes through kinematics yeah. and dynamics and explanations about the Reynolds number. And then his outlook as a non-CFD person, he was very close to Philippe Spallard. Mm. Uh, so uh, he's, he's a good friend of Philippe Spallard. So uh, his outlook of CFD and what CFD can do and what he ca cannot do. And I think it's a must-read book. And then another book, ooh, that's kind of hard. I mean, I would have read, uh, I have the MSI, the, the list of books that I uh, proposed. Yeah. Look at the books there. Some of them are uh, pretty amazing mm. books. Okay, we, we can leave it at that. We talked, we talked a lot about of, books. Of, co of, course you can, of, co of course you can take that, uh, you must read the 10X and Lumley book. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're serious about okay. CFD, read the 10X and Monday book and uh, read the Schlichting's uh, Boundary that's Layer a thick book. One. <laughs> yeah, that's a thick <laughs> one, yeah. But, uh, but do try. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. And a good book of tr about uh, transition, which is kind of uh, uh, one of the phenomena we're really not understanding yet is the ones from uh, Dan Hanningson from KTH. Okay. Uh, he's done an amazing job of explaining. Uh, it's also in my, uh, I think it's also in my uh, list mm -hmm. of books. Okay. 
I'll list it anyway. We talked a lot about books today. Second question from Karan is, uh, the focus of CFD in the field of armament, for instance, guns and underwater AUVs. Do you have any experience in that one? No. Uh, we, we can we can leave it at that. I mean, yeah, no, okay, I don't. Okay, that, that's no, no. I don't, and, and I don't like to, I'm a kind of a Zen kind of person, and I don't like the... Sorry, but yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I get it. It's completely fine. I mean, uh, I don't like to talk about uh, uh, how CFD, uh, you know, promotes weapons and uh, yeah. I'm also the, I'm also with you here. I agree on that one. And he also mm. asked about CFD and machine learning, but we also touched on that. Thomas, uh, we touched on that. And uh, what I want to know from you as an expert, what I see working for SimScale. And working in the forum, a lot of people have problems with the so-called wall function. Could you explain in your own mm. terms, uh, some people know what they are. What is this Y plus? What are these wall functions? And how? what do users have to do in order to pick the correct Y plus value? Maybe that's the last thing we want to talk about. Okay. Okay. So I'll give you a, a recommendation. I have a Y plus law of the wall post which I think is the thoroughest post about the law of the wall. People refer to mm -hmm. it a lot. And I have one post about near wall mm -hmm. modeling. And uh, what's the difference between why plus and why uh, Fluent is using why mm -hmm. star? Uh, it's because uh, it, it has a reason. And uh, I think to not go too much into theory. So uh, law of the wall post. Uh, it's, it's very nice, it's very good, written, very well written, and near wall, uh, uh, near wall understanding near wall modeling, it's a very good, if you read both of them and understand them, you'll know everything you need to know about wall modeling. That in the K-Epsilon Okay, that, that, that's excellent. I will link them as well. Thomas, with uh, wrapping things up, do you want to say anything else to the audience? Maybe something philosophical, maybe related to CFD? Is there anything you want to... Uh, yeah, philosophical. I mean, yeah, you can you can, you can throw the equanimity prayer. I mean, uh, you are the heir of your actions. Uh, your happiness or unhappiness depends upon your actions, not upon my mm. wishes. Uh, but uh, about CFD, uh, maybe a recommendation. Uh, my site is uh, fixed lately, uh, mostly on uh, pointwise, which I think are doing. Uh, a, a, I think they are a little bit underappreciated. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's only in Israel. Uh, many use it, but uh, the, the, I saw some of their tutorials and. Uh, And uh, I mean, I was amazed by the abilities, by the abilities of the software. And and, uh, and uh, as as a code, I don't think there is a big difference if you use SimScale or Fluent. Uh, if you're not an uh, you know a real ex, uh, extra expert, uh, I think what SimScale did using a platform to make uh, Uh, CFD, or, uh, even if it's in final, then very easy. It's uh, very good. Uh, other platforms might also be nice, but find foremost, know what you're doing. Yeah. 
That, that's very good advice, Thomas. I would say... But point, but about meshing, I would go with uh, point wise without thinking okay. twice. Then better. That, that's good. Yeah, what they did, they also gave a free training, as far as I know, on their page, some, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are amazing. I mean, they, they're, 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 they're total focus is about mesh. Yeah. And uh, their, their software is really much more advanced than the free mm -hmm. mesh. That's cool. Tomer, I would say with, with that being said, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, we had, philos we had philosophy you. in it. We had CFD in it, turbulence and so on. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And maybe if you have uh, the, the will to do a second part, we, we can do so in the future and we'll keep connected. Yeah, certainly, we, we left a lot. Of <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Tomer, thank you so much and sure, enjoy your sure. day and be happy. Yeah, chill, chill, Joseph. And keep yourself safe and your loved ones in this, you know, turbulent yes, area. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I mean, uh, I wish that for everybody. Thank you so much, Tom. Mm -hmm.